Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I, I need friends. Welcome to the Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, that's right. We're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squad cast. So, Scott, man, what's been going on this week? Oh, just, you know, laundry, sick children, <laughs> catching up on television, yeah. doing my taxes. All right. You know, so that, that, that's pretty much what my week looks like. Um, and and trying to figure out when I'm going to watch all these Oscar-nominated films because uh, I'm not sure if I've told you this before, but when it comes to Best Picture nominees, it basically breaks down the four categories for me. I already saw it. I wanted to see it anyway. Oh, now that's nominated, I want to see it. Or I don't give a rat's if it's nominated. I still don't care about watching it. So I've got I've got two. I already saw La La Land, and I got two on that list that I want. I wanted to see whether they were nominated or not. And I so I still want to see Hidden Figures and I still want to see Arrival. So I'm just trying to figure out when I'm going to get to the theater to see these movies. Okay, so out of all those movies, I have already seen Arrival. And the other two that I want to see, Hidden Figures and La La Land. Oh, okay. So we're, we, we, <laughs> we're going to be a little bit overlapped well, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a first time for everything. I know, my goodness. <laughs> How about your week? Uh, well, this week's been pretty good. But, uh, you know, I do want to make sure that I apologize for that uh, that little clickbait ex- exercise that I did with the show this past week. You don't apologize. You're not sorry one bit. Yeah, I'm not sorry in the least bit. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, guys, we were trying to make a point about clickbait last week. And so uh, we decided we were going to do some kind of blatant clickbait type title with our episode last week. And so, you know, we were just kind of fed up with all the negativity towards Wonder Woman and all that and all the clickbait headlines that went with that. So, you know, I said, you know, when we put out this episode, let's let's title it like the end of the DCEU. And then I put together a little cover art for the episode and I put these real solemn pictures of Batman and Superman man and wonder woman and and then on my personal twitter account usually when i announce an episode i say you know the latest suicide squad cast is out and this one i titled the final suicide squad cast is out you said the last you said the last suicide squad yeah no i think i said the final whatever it was you were being a massive jerk is what you were being (laughs) well uh, okay i don't think anyone got really upset by it i mean i think when i sent the thing out there i i don't really think i saw anyone kind of react negatively to what i had posted out there well you also you also put a psa in the show notes so it was like yeah well that that certainly helped out a little bit i mean i just you know i knew we were gonna have maybe some people possibly freak out so i figured you know let me just go ahead and make sure i put that at the very top to try to you know just keep anybody from freaking out no i think there were a few people who were gen- like like when you launched it when you first sent out that tweet i think there were about three or four people that were that were genuinely like <laughs> what <laughs> I, I i don't know about that but i mean i think for the most part people were you know generally got figured out what we were doing and what we were trying to say here. Uh, But just to give you a little bit of insight here as to what that actually did, this little clickbait type headline we did. So that was actually our third highest download day ever for the day that we actually drop a new episode. Third highest ever. Now, this is in a period of time where we're in in between movies and, you know, we're, you know, our numbers are lower. You know, normally, we you know, we'd be a couple thousand more uh, listeners, you know, as we're getting up closer to uh, a movie actually debuting and all that. So we're probably, you know, 
know, in a lull period here, but yet it was our third highest download day. And so I think what this goes to show you is that, you know, normally people that might be listening to our episode, you know, uh, even though we drop it on a late Saturday night or Sunday, you know, normally they might listen to it on a on a Monday or something during their work commute. Or, you know, I hear a lot of our listeners say that they listen to us, you know, while they're working out and all that. So, so normally, you know, we would get a lot of downloads at the beginning of the week and all that. And so what we actually saw is that we had a lot of downloads actually happen on Sunday, you know, the day that this episode was, you know, was out. And so I think what that goes to show you is that a lot of people are like, whoa, what is this? You know, I think I better listen to this episode right now because I don't know where these guys are going with this. So unfortunately, we illustrated the very point we're making in that episode. So yeah, well, I mean, I think for the most part, I think we none of our listeners really got freaked out to where they got upset with us. At least I hope so. (laughs) If there's some of you out there that are going, what the heck? Um, Sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was jokes uh, on you. (laughs) Imperious Lex kept giving us crap on Twitter. Oh, it was hilarious. I love it. I loved it. Hey, I also love the fact that one of our listeners, Lisa, had a great comment after uh, replying to the link. And then Patty Jenkins liked Lisa's comment. And I was just like, (laughs) oh, sweet. That was awesome. Because she was telling us what a great episode. No, avoid the clickbait. I wait to hear from you guys. And Patty Jenkins liked it. So I was like, oh, cool. Wonder Woman. Nice to think that. Thanks. Thanks for the shout out. Listen to our show. We'd love to have you on. (laughs) Yeah, we'd definitely love to have you on. And, and, you know, just as a periodic reminder, I am one of 306 people that Patty Jenkins actually follows. No, that's not a per- that's not a periodic reminder. That's a that's a periodic humble brag. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she must have accidentally clicked to follow me one time. I think it was a it was a complete accident. Purely an accident. She tripped and her finger and she just didn't care to unfollow you at some point. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Let's get on to this week's news though. Uh, well, I, you know, this is kind of clickbait, but kind of in the opposite direction. Um I'm I'm not really sure how to take this, even though I want to believe it, but Umberto Gonzalez was on Twitter, and he was at the Sundance Film Festival this past week, and he says uh, they ran into two different sources. Uh, actually, I'll just, I'll just read the tweet. It says, also, of all places, ran into two different sources here at Sundance. One saw Wonder Woman first cut, the other Justice League. They tell me good things about each with a smiley face. Yeah. So, um, as much as I would love this to be true, I'm... I'm pragmatic, knowing that, well, if I don't want to believe the clickbait about that it's a complete mess, I also need to be a little bit skeptical about, oh, it's great. Yeah. So it's, if it, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's exactly the point that I was going to make as well, because, I mean, you should be taking this report as well as the uh, the other report we heard from the Schmoes know, you know, that, you know, whether the, the movie is good or whether it's a mess. I mean, both of these are based on reports that you should consider to be equally based based on sources that have no strong connections to the film. Well, and also, if based on some Vero posts and Twitter posts we were even getting today, I mean, Wonder Woman is still being scored right now, and Justice League is still going through ADR. So, you know, whatever is being seen is far from a finished product. I mean, all the dialogue isn't even fixed in Justice League, and Wonder Woman didn't even have any music at this point. So if there are people out there seeing these supposed cuts, I mean, they are far from finished products. So, you know, once again, take that with not just a grain of salt, I think take it with a whole freaking shaker. <laughs> I'll take it with just a big bag of salt. I mean, so, I mean, this is basically the message that we're trying to say here is, you know, when this stuff comes out, you just take it lightly. Um, when this, when this Umberto Gonzalez thing came out, I actually tweeted it out just to at least, you know, uh, counter the other message that we had about the Wonder Woman film. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I would just, you know, don't put too much weight into it. Yeah, unfortunately, as much as we, as much as we want to 
want to believe it. Right. Yeah. Speaking of clickbait, how about you take this one? <laughs> yeah. So this one, we're just going to follow up with uh, that something that we had like two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Uh, yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason we even wanted to bring this up thing, like we did two weeks ago is that, you know, we wanted to talk about this thing because both Scott and I think this thing is completely idiotic. And not only that, it's pretty insulting to the filmmakers as well. Uh, but we brought it up because you're going to be hearing about it in the news here. So now Batman v Superman this week when they announced the nominations, Batman v Superman just basically got completely piled on. And uh, so, like I said, we want to bring this up because you're going to be hearing about this. So these are the categories that Batman v Superman is up for. Uh, it's for Worst Picture, Worst Actor with Ben Affleck, Worst Actor with Henry Cavill, Worst Supporting Actor, Jesse Eisenberg. We have Worst Screen Combo, Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. Worst Director, Zack Snyder, and Worst Screenplay. And Suicide Squad, Not to be Left Out, was also nominated for Worst Supporting Actor, Jared Leto, and Worst Screenplay. And so, you know, we brought this up before. We wanted to kind of explain what the Golden Raspberry Awards was, what the foundation was, who the members were, who the people are that vote. It's a pile of crap. I mean, just <laughs> let's just throw that out there, but okay. Yeah, I mean, it is. it is. It's a pile of crap. Yeah, so the little bit of data that we had about this organization from like six years ago was that we had about 650 members that actually do the voting. Yes, because they paid. Yeah, they paid. So just to give you an idea of what happened this year, we had 1,014 people that were part of this Golden Raspberry Award Foundation that had actually voted. And just to give you an idea how silly this whole thing is, you know, out of all these people, they purposely do not go after films that are genuinely bad. They go after ones that they can grab a lot of attention with. So they'll go after ones that, you know, are like tentpole films. They'll go after ones where they're, you know, they're high budget, that kind of thing, you know, or they could just go after directors that they just don't like. So to give you an idea how silly this whole thing is, if if you got 507 people together, you know, based on this year's numbers, if you had 507 people that had joined the society and paid the $40, you could legitimately take any film that was put out, you know, and really at any time, I mean, you could have done this any year, you can put out any film and guarantee with a majority vote that it is the worst film of the year. So, I mean, you could literally have done this with, you've done this with Godfather. You could have done this with The Dark Knight. You could have done this with Schindler's List, whatever you wanted to call, you know, I mean, you could, you know, you could just basically decide whatever film you would want to be um, the worst film of the year. So I guess what we're trying to say is, you know, this is going to come out, uh, BVS is going to get hammered and just don't get all worked up over it. Oh, I, I, they're going to win in every category, win slash lose, however you want to look at it, for every category they're nominated in. The only question is who eventually gets the worst actor award, Ben or Henry? Uh, As much as I think that's a pile of crap, uh, I know that's what's going to happen. And what I think we just need to say is, guys, don't uh, remember what we said last week. Don't click on it. Don't share it. Don't you know know what the, the worst thing you could do to them? Completely freaking ignore it. That would be the worst thing for them was to be completely ignored. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, uh, these are attention seeking people uh, that run this. So the best thing to do is just, you know, when the news comes out, just ignore it. Yes. Now, something that made me happy on Twitter this week, uh, John Cleese uh, was uh, on Twitter and we had talked months ago about Twitter sleuths recognizing that John Cleese was following people at DC and people from DC was following on his back. And so we were speculating, oh, John Cleese is going to be in the DCEU probably. Well, he was doing he, he took a picture or someone took a picture of him in his dressing room before a Q&A in Massachusetts and eagle-eyed people looked at the photo and noticed that there were three books on the counter of his dressing room and when you zoom in, you see that they are trade collections for The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, Justice League Origin by Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, and Batman The Black Mirror by Scott Snyder and Jacques. And so I was sitting here going, so what do all three of these books have in common? First thing that came up with was, well, Batman. Batman's in all three. Um, 
I couldn't really go much deeper than that because Tim and I were talking off air before we started and neither one of us has read Black Mirror. Don't kill us. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But, uh, you know, that was that was Scott Snyder's first Batman. It was right before Flashpoint. Dick is still Batman in that story. It was the introduction of James Gordon Jr. So uh, other than Batman, we were trying to figure out what do all of these stories have in common? And I think, Tim, you had a great suggestion. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about it. I was wondering if, you know, John Cleese might be playing somebody like, a, a you know, administrator of Arkham Asylum, like Quincy Sharp, you know, from the video games. Uh, I just kind of feel like that might be a perfect way to kind of set him up for future films as well. I think that would be fantastic. I, I think that would be great. Like, either as a Walper, like from Dark Knight Returns, or, you know, a Jeremiah Arkham from the, co- the currently in the comics, I think he, he could play that head psychiatrist really well. Yeah, I definitely would like that. I mean, right now, the conventional wisdom seems to say that, you know, he's probably playing a role like Wintergreen, you know, tied to Deathstroke. But, uh, you know, I would definitely like to see something tied to Arkham. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, moving on to our next little story here. Now, this was cool. Uh, we had Gal Gadot and Chris Pine actually put out uh, a little video here. And the purpose of the video was to send a message over to their fans over in China to wish them a happy Chinese New Year. And uh, it was a short little video. But what was cool about it is Gal had actually sent a message out to the fans actually speaking Chinese and uh, actually asked one of our listeners, Wei Yi, over in China, what she actually had said. And so he gave me a translation. And what Gal had actually said was, uh, felicitations for the year of the rooster. May you have a prosperous year. And then Chris Pine followed up in English and he said, you know, we wish you all good luck and great success in the coming year of the rooster. So I think this is really smart because, you know, China is the second biggest market in the world right now when it comes to, you know, movies for Hollywood. And, uh, you know, we know Batman v Superman had actually made $90 million over there in China. And and unfortunately, Suicide Squad did not make any money in China because uh, it was uh, a movie that was not allowed to be broadcast over in China. And so what's great about this is they're trying to get out in front of this thing. And, you know, I think a a film like Wonder Woman is just going to be a big hit over in China. So, so smart. Oh, yeah. This is is marketing to the hilt. So, yeah. Hey, anything to help Wonder Woman because we really want... I, I don't want Wonder Woman to get that pressure on it. Like, it has to be the movie that saves the DC. Every movie is the movie that has to save DCEU. I just want Wonder Woman to be a good Wonder Woman movie. But buttering the bread of China ain't going to hurt one little bit. Not at all. So uh, we also get some additional news here. Now, we know Ewan Bremner, an actor that's in Wonder Woman, uh, is going to be playing some kind of role in the film. It's never been fully really defined what that role is going to be, but we know he's going to be involved with the Allied forces uh, in the military. And uh, we got a little bit of information here while he was out promoting T2 train spotting. Uh, well, he actually gave a little more information about what his role is going to be. He said, I play a character who is enlisted by Wonder Woman to help save the world as part of a small, unlikely band. He is a shell-shocked soldier who's been discharged from the war and is brought back to help on a secret mission. So that seems pretty consistent with the little bit of information we've seen from the set photos of him. Well, he's probably also in the photograph in BVS too, isn't he? Right. He's part of that that squad she's, she's with. Yeah. Yeah, it's that old photograph that they resurrected in Batman v Superman. So that's really cool. Uh, so cool news to hear about that. But I'm really pumped up about uh, this next news. I know. I was so excited. Um, so Patty Jenkins apparently is Fridays must be her Twitter day. What can I say? And she shared this great photo, obviously from a recording studio with a tweet that said, man, last mini Fridays have been some of the best in my life. Seeing final effects and recording epic score brings tears to my eyes. Hashtag love. And then if you pay attention to the counters on the screen, 
apparently that's like five minutes and 19 seconds into the film. Yeah, it is. And what's actually pretty cool is you get to actually see the actor we just talked about, Ewan Bremner, in this shot. Yes, you do. You, you do. Because he's kind of there in the, like, the I think is in the bottom right-hand corner. Yeah, yeah, that's him in the bottom right. So, and real cool. Um, You know, this is the real fun part of the filmmaking process. And I'm sure this has got to be getting Patty really excited here. You know, she's had a chance to complete all the filming, you know, get the edit complete, do all the, uh, the additional dialogue recording and all that. So uh, at this point, you know, they've got the complete film and they're just adding in, just adding in all the instrumental music. So this is when the film finally gets that, that entire feel that you're looking for. So uh, to me, this is, you know, this is to me the most exciting part of, you know, seeing a film complete is when you actually get to lay in all the instrumental music in the soundtrack. I'll be honest. Those are always the feature. Those are the featurettes I always love watching is when they're, when they're doing the score. Yeah. It's amazing how powerful a good score is for a film. I was actually listening to, to BVS today. <sighs> Oh man, how did that not get nominated? Someone explained to us the whole collaborators and previous material and blah blah blah. Just some blah blah blah. All I know is that I was playing "Is She with You" and my almost one-year-old was standing up and like bouncing to the beat. I'm like, <laughs> there you go. That's the power of an electric cello. Yep. Now, uh, tell me about what you saw from DC World because you know we haven't talked about them in a little bit, but you know DC World over in the UK, Paul Edwards, uh, he he gets his hands on some stuff over there. Yeah, and I'm not really sure where he gets it from, but he found this over on eBay, and so it's kind of made its way around on the internet. This is what we know about it. It looks to be some type of shirt that actually went with the crew over at the Leeson Studios there. And so it's got the Justice League logo, and then it has the word crew written up at the top. Uh, But it's got this one little tagline that goes with it, and it says, they've never faced us before, not us united. So the question is, is is this an actual line from the film, or is this might have been something that maybe the crew had been saying uh, when they were together filming? So at this point, we have no idea. But my question is, if this is an actual line from the film, who do you think might actually be saying this? Like, I had a hard time trying to picture anyone. Um, I, I, I feel Wonder Woman or Superman. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's who I'm, you know, that's who I'm, probably more, probably more Wonder Woman, uh, I would think, because I feel like Superman won't be back yet by the time that that line gets said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that as well. Um, you know, but looking at this shirt, I was really getting kind of pumped up. I cannot wait to get my own Justice League shirt with that logo oh yeah oh yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the merchandise what, what can i say i mean i i, I bought like three bvs shirts so i'm, I'm just <laughs> waiting to see you know how how many justice league shirts i'm gonna buy or how many wonder woman shirts i'm gonna buy because i will be going i will have to wear one to the wonder woman premiere yeah definitely now empire magazine um empire starting to get some stuff and uh, well first we got this nice beautiful photo that came out and uh, originally it in the print magazine it's actually part of like their table of content shot and the pictures actually kind of like a front view of Batman, Flash, Cyborg, and Wonder Woman that we saw, we we assume we've seen the back of this shot during the Comic-Con trailer. So that we actually see them walk into like that gangplank uh, walkway room, and then this is the shot from the other side. But, and then there were a couple of interesting quotes from Zack Snyder in the article, and one was about Superman's role, because, you know, they've been very coy. I mean, we all know Superman's in the movie, but he's only been in one image of all the Justice League stuff that's come out. Yeah, he's only been in that one real nice promo shot that we saw with him standing in it. Other than that, we've never seen Superman in any other images up to this point. Now, what was kind of funny is I heard some people complaining about this image and, you know, they were saying, hey, you know, nothing's ever happening in any of these little images that are put out with the film. And the thing about it, I mean, this is a static image. This is a snapshot of a scene in progress. And so, you know, it's not a post photo. And, you know, this is this is just an image from an actual scene in in play. Well, it's not a post photo. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
the thing that I actually like about all this is, you know, we've gotten, you know, several different photos up to this point of the Justice League team together here, but we've hardly seen anything up to this point. We, we've seen these images, which look like they be, they're in that same kind of underground I know. tunnel or chamber. And uh, what's nice about it is like, we still know very little about what all the other scenes in this film are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to show us a whole lot of nothing, which I'm, o- I'm personally, I'm okay with. Yeah, me too. Because I, I agree with the criticisms that the, that the BVS trailer showed us way too much. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. And it's also interesting what Snyder said about Superman's role is he said, Superman does play a big part in this movie. His presence and lack of presence are big story points. So, okay. Yeah, and we all assume this to be the case anyway. I mean, we knew, you know, obviously we know Superman's going to be in the film. Uh, he was in that one promo shot uh, up to this point. The last story beat for him was that he was killed by Doomsday. But I really like the idea that we have no idea how he's going to come back. And I'm really kind of hopeful that when they actually do um, additional promo materials, uh, whether it be trailers or whatever else, you know, that they don't reveal anything here. That however he comes back is fully revealed in the film. I, I, I hope so, because I'm hoping, because trust me, when, when the Doomsday reveal actually happened in the movie, and I realized that it would have been so much cooler if I didn't know it was coming. Yeah. It would have been nice. Yes. Yeah, it was a ton of fun to actually see that reveal in the trailer, you know, at the time when all the trailers were being put out uh, prior to the film and all that. But kind of in retrospect, for sure, you know, that would have been a, a, a really nice reveal. You know, I always kind of go back. I feel like the reason they ended up revealing it is because somebody had some information or there was going to be some kind of revelation that uh, Doomsday was actually in the film. Oh, well. Well, we got this other bit of news here. Now, Zack Snyder had posted on Vero this cool little behind-the-scenes image, and this was taken, I think, just a, a day or two ago. Yeah, actually, based on the date on the image, it looks like it was taken on Wednesday. So what this is is an image of Gal Gadot actually in a recording studio, and what she's doing is she's doing some ADR, which is called additional dialogue recording. And uh, what this is is, you know, typically when they uh, when they film, they will come in and re-record the dialogue afterwards so they can get a much crisper sound. So uh, what we get in this image, it, it's uh, it looks like it's towards the end of the movie, and it looks like it's at two hours and nine minutes in. And Gal Gadot is as Diana is, seems to be talking to somebody here, and I couldn't quite tell who it is, but it looks to me like it's probably Ben Affleck. Yeah, and then Deadline was reporting today talking about uh, they they just had a bigger story about hol- uh, Hollywood ad buys for the Super Bowl, and apparently they were just confirming that there will be no Warner Brothers ad buys throughout the Super Bowl. So it, basically the, the the takeaway from the story was everyone who was hoping that there was going to be a Justice League trailer that was going to drop during the Super Bowl, it's not going to happen. Now, what Deadline did point out is this does not rule out promotional partners. Like last year when Turkish Airlines did those two BVS spots, you know, technically those weren't from Warner Brothers, but don't watch the Super Bowl unless you really just want to watch the Patriots and the Falcons because there's not, I mean, even, even Marvel isn't doing anything Spider-Man. You know, you might get a Guardians of the Galaxy too is basically what Deadline was saying. So, you know, th- that's that's not a reason to watch the Super Bowl unless you want to watch the game, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I read this. I have mixed feelings about it, but I'm sure many of you would say, I'm, being, I'm trying to be optimistic. Variety. Justin Kroll from Variety is reporting that the Flash film is getting a page one rewrite, which I didn't know that what that technically was until I read the article, and basically, they're starting all over again with the script. They're scrapping everything they had, and they're starting from scratch. And they've tapped Joby Harold, uh, who uh, recently wrote King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, which is going to be that new Guy Ritchie movie coming out from Warner Brothers. He's writing the new draft. And it's apparently starting from the very beginning. And, you know, and we already knew from Rick Famuia's exit that the studio and him, like, 
found we had done that last revision and the studio wasn't too happy. And I think really my takeaway is just that after so many people leaving for quote creative differences, that I guess they just finally realized, I guess we just need to scrap the script and start from scratch. Yeah. So just to give you guys a little bit of a history on this, in case you don't know, this originally started off as uh, most recently as a, a project um, that was potentially going to be helmed by Lord and Miller. And they had actually written uh, a treatment for the film. And a treatment is basically, you know, a proposal that this is what the story is going to be. And, you know, this is this is what the overall arc of the movie is going to be. And uh, of course, they got the offer to go on and do Star Wars. And so they had decided to move on and, and not take the Flash film. And so then that's when they brought in Seth Graham Smith. And well, Seth Graham Smith actually completed and wrote the script for the film. And then at some point in time, Warner Brothers and Seth Graham Smith decided that, you know, um, you know, they, I guess they had some kind of parting of ways of some sort. Uh, it was so-called creative differences. That's when they brought in Rick Famuyiwa. And so Rick actually came in, took the Seth Graham Smith script and actually rewrote that uh, and added his own flavor. Now he had, you know, he had a story that he wanted to tell. And at, again, at some point in time, Warner Brothers and Rick had actually parted ways. And I think in this case, they had real genuine creative differences. And uh, so whatever story Rick was wanting to tell, I don't think Warner Brothers uh, really was uh, on board with. And so that's when they decided it's time to rewrite the script. Yeah. And something that I was not fully aware of, but with Ezra Miller getting ready to start filming Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them too, I mean, basically he's going to be in production for that movie. So basically they've got the time. And I guess Warner Brothers just decided this script has just been a pain in our you know what. So how about we just try something else since we're not going to make that original 2018 release date we had kind of put out there. Let's let's just take the time to get the script where we do want it so there won't be any more of these creative differences. And I think using and I think using Harold who apparently has been tied to several projects at Warner Brothers, you know, just gives them sort of an in-house guy to work with. Yeah, well, and I think this really gives DC Films a chance to get the story right. You know, when you know when they brought in Jeff Johns and John Berg, I mean, Jeff was going to be the guy that was going to be kind of like the voice of the um, the lore of these heroes, the comic book guy and and so when it comes to where Flash fits in, and now that they've probably got a better definition of what the DCEU is and, you know, where the story is going to go, I really feel like, you know, it's kind of on Jeff to to really chart the course for this. And um, what, I'm, what I'm assuming is happening right now is they've got a story arc planned that kind of fits into where things are timing out right now in the DCEU. And I'm, and I'm guessing that Jeff has laid out what that story would be. And so now it's up to Joby to come in and go and do all of his research to try to understand the character and figure out, you know, all the things that he needs to do to try to figure out the right script that goes with the story that they're trying to tell. And so I know as fans, it's it's really frustrating that this has happened. I mean, this is this project has been, you know, delayed a couple times now, gone through a couple different directors. But in the end here, I mean, I think ultimately this is what's most important is that they take their time, they do it right. And if and if this is what they need to do to, to put out a good movie, then this is for the best, for sure. And in, in the thing we've been saying about like Ben Affleck's solo Batman movie, even though I think it was Mark Hughes who even suggested that it is quite possible that since we heard the news about Gotham City Sirens, that maybe Gotham City Sirens is going to be able to drop in into that 2018 slot so we can still get two movies next year, you know, getting Aquaman and Gotham City Sirens. So um, I'd be a-okay with that and then maybe Flash coming out the year later. Yeah, and so the other thing this does too is it allows the filmmakers a chance to really see, you know, how the relationship between Flash and Cyborg, you know, Ezra Miller and Ray Fisher, how how that kind of uh, develops on the screen right now. And because this was something that Rick Famuyiwa wanted to do, he wanted to bring Cyborg into the film. And and if that's something they still want to do, 
you know, if they feel like that's the right kind of crossover, then this gives them a chance to to really uh, see what their chemistry was in Justice League and, and figure out what is the right story for these two. So let's move on to James Wan, who on Twitter posted a picture saying, after school detention with the new Breakfast Club with Pride of Gypsies, Patrick Wilson 73, and Amber, hashtag table read. And it's a picture of Patrick Wilson, Amber Heard, James Wan, and Jason Momoa, obviously reading some, I guess they have a draft of Aquaman that they're willing to start reading through. I mean, they're all, I mean, production hasn't started yet, so I'm sure there's still some tweaks going on, but they got, obviously what they're considering their three leads are there. Um, so still one, you know what I'm still curious about is whether, is Ocean Master going to be the actual villain of the movie, or are they going to play him up as kind of like the scheming brother and save him for the villain for a later move? That's what I still want to know. Yeah, I mean, good question. I mean, there's so many different possibilities here, but I mean, I just want to say, like, I love seeing these little table reads. I mean, it's so fun seeing some of the early pre-production stuff going on with the film, and and, uh, and we also saw recently uh, an image that was posted by the makeup artist for Amber Heard, and it was actually showing her, I guess, doing some kind of makeup trials with Amber Heard. So it's really cool. I mean, we're clearly in pre-production with this film, but I, I love starting to see all the evidence that things are moving. Mm, cool. Well, uh, tell us about Jason Momoa on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, so Jason Momoa was actually on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and he talked a little bit about him getting the part of Aquaman. And he said, you know, Warner Brothers wanted it to be a secret, of course. Uh, but he, you know, once he knew he had the role, he admitted that he actually went and told all of his family and friends. <laughs> so I guess he didn't keep the secret too well. But he said, you know, that's a problem with his, that he's really bad at keeping secrets. Um, like he gave an example that, you know, he'll buy presents for his wife and, uh, you know, he just can't wait. So he'll just tell her to just, just go ahead and open it right now. Yeah. And I still have not watched that new Netflix series yet with him. Need to check that out. That looks, you know, I see that in my Netflix queue. So I definitely am going to pop that in. Yeah. Um, well, Joe Manganiello was talking a little Deathstroke to Entertainment Tonight during a Sony picture celebration. Apparently, uh, he's going to be in Smurfs, The Lost Village. I was not <laughs> aware of this. And he talked, to, I love this quote. And Manganiello said, growing up an avid comic book fan, and then there were a lot of superhero roles and supervillain roles that came my way that I said no to or wasn't allowed to do because of other commitments. It's just really exciting to think that this is the one. And he is very glad that the fans have been very happy and that he said he's just going to put his head down and really show as prepared as any supervillain ever has. Yeah, it seemed like he was genuinely kind of worried about uh, taking on the role that, you know, he was worried about what the fan reaction was going to be, which I found pretty surprising. But I mean, I don't know if you really blame him. I mean, if you go back and look at what the fanboy reaction was for Michael Keaton when he was cast in Batman 89, you know, he got, you know, there was a lot of uh, pushback and criticism and all that. And the same thing happened with Ben Affleck. I mean, you know, it's tough to kind of take on these roles, you know, because the, you know, the fans are just so particular. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, it, it helped that before we found out he was playing it, that we saw that sweet armor and we were all like, ah, which he also revealed on Twitter today that apparently that came from a, that was a screen test. So we were kind of curious, is it actual footage? Is it a screen test? And he pretty much came out and said, no, that was a screen test for the armor. They were doing camera, they are doing camera tests for the costume. So, well, that makes me wonder if that scene that we saw was actually from the film, because I mean, that's what that kind of suggests that this screen test might have just been done on whatever set was conveniently available at the time. And so, you know, the scene with him coming out of the Flying Fox just might have been um, the the one that was available at that day. And just to see how the costume looks. I mean, they, they just want to see, does it translate on film? So, but um, I'm still hoping he's in Justice League. You know? Yeah, I, I think the Zack Snyder storyboard kind of confirms that, but you know, it's got to be just, I want, I'm going to this way, I want it to be Justice League, so it will be so. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and we actually 
saw him in a goatee over in Paris at one time as well. So, I mean, it's clearly he must have been filming something. So we actually got a little bit of news about a writer for Shazam. And this actually comes from the writer himself. And its name is Henry Gaiden. Henry Gaiden had, respond had responded to a fan on Twitter who had asked, you know, he, you know, he had just read that he's writing the Shazam film. And the fan had asked him if he could confirm or deny it. And so Henry Gaiden came back and said, yep, confirmed and loving what's to come. So um, to give you an idea about Henry Gaiden, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of work. I mean, not much that I even recognized. He worked on a short, uh, a series of shorts called Zombie Roadkill. Uh, it was part of the FearNet series. He also did this film, which I've seen on Netflix, but I didn't know much about it. Uh, it's called Earth to Echo, and it seems to be some type of alien slash kids type film. And it turns out it's very much kind of an E.T. type story. And uh, so uh, I don't know much about that. The Rotten Tomato scores on it are 49% from the critics and 47% from the audience, which is pretty low for an audience score. Yeah, I've I, the the title like sounds quasi familiar. It was it was one of those things where like, oh, Shazam writer announced. And it's like, who is this guy? I mean, that was that was my reaction. Haven't seen the movie. Never heard of him. Okay. Yeah. Kind of makes me wonder though if the director for that film, Earth to Echo, his name is Dave Green. Well, he was actually working with Henry Gaiden, the screenwriter, and Dwayne Johnson on an adaptation of that graphic novel called Lore, which was that old IDW series. Now, um, what made me wonder about this is because it seems like that Lore series has been shelved. And so I was wondering, you know, now that we have Dwayne Johnson working with Henry Gaiden as a screenwriter, you know, could we possibly see Dave Green as a director on this? So I guess we'll just have to sit back and see what happens. Well, then speaking about some Green Lantern core, we've got even more Hal Jordan casting rumors popping up. These come from We Got This Covered, which, you know, take with a grain of salt. The, their, sor their sources could only confirm that Army Hammer and Ryan Reynolds were on uh, the sort of Warner Brothers wish list, but they, uh, in addition to what Umberto had reported from The Wrap, they said that also James Marsden was on uh, sort of WB's wish list, who, of course, he was in Superman Returns, and he's been making a big splash on Westworld on HBO. So, you know, I whatever. I it's it, I just feel like all of this is just piling on for clickbait, and I don't, I really don't believe much of it, so it's just, I'm waiting, I'm just sort of kicking my heels back and like, wait and see. Yeah, you know, the more I've been thinking about this list here, uh, you know, these six different names that we've heard, I, I kind of feel like whoever Warner Brothers has decided they want to be Green Lantern, I kind of feel like they've already got, you know, him selected uh, for this role of Hal Jordan. So, you know, I, I'm kind of taking most of these things with a grain of salt here, and I just kind of wonder if some of this might not be um, just Warner Brothers, you know, letting some information and get out there to just kind of create a lot of different uncertainty about who this role right might be. But I mean, I'm I'm kind of a firm believer that we're going to get some kind of cameo of Green Lantern in Justice League, and they would know who it is by now. Yeah. Uh, tell me about what Army Hammer was was um, sort of trying to not talk about Green Lantern, or what was the deal? I haven't seen this video, but I know that you have. Yeah, Army Hammer was actually on an interview where he was at the Sundance Film Festival promoting his film Call Me by Your Name, and so you know they they were you know obviously talking to him about that film, but then they came back and asked him, hey, you know, what do you think of this you know Green Lantern casting rumor? Um, you know, what do you have to say about it? And his response was that he saw the reporting as well, and but that was the first he had actually heard of it. And so the reporter came back and he says, are you sure this is the first time you've heard of it? And he just responded and he goes, yeah, I guess. So just kind of looking at it, I, I just kind of felt like he didn't have a great poker face. I I would believe that to be honest with you. So uh, so I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like uh, he he must know more about what's going on than he's letting on. And I figure, you know, if they're if they are in fact going to have Green Lantern in a film and making some kind of surprise cameo, you know, whoever the 
actors right now has to play completely dumb about it. And uh, so I don't know. I'm just doing just pure fan speculation. Okay. Um, I have to admit, I got a little of a chuckle out of this la- uh, this next one. Uh, Jim Starlin, who, if you don't know who he is, um, read some comics. Um, he, uh, he, re- he, on Tuesday, tweeted out that he received his royalty check from DC Entertainment for their use of Anatoly Kanayazev, um, a.k.a. the KG Beast, because he created the KG Beast. And apparently the check he got from DC Entertainment for just Anatoly being in BVS was bigger than anything he'd ever gotten from Marvel Studios uh, who have used Thanos, Gamora, and Drax. So, you know, the Guardian, all his creations. Um, Thanos, yes, his creation, if not a ripoff of Darkseid. But hey, never mind. Uh, but I just, but it was interesting. I, I don't want to look at it as like a DC versus Marvel kind of pot shot, but it is kind of nice to know that DC is still paying their creators uh, apparently a sizable chunk for saying thank you for. I'm glad we glad we could use your character. Here, here's here's your little piece of the pie. So that was that's how I'm treating that. It's like I don't want to turn it into a, 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 he, a he versus him, but it's a good for you, Jim Starlin. Glad you get your check. Yeah, you know I was real happy to see this. I mean I, I love Jim Starlin. It goes way back to my days as being a Legion of Superheroes fan. I mean, he did a lot of great stories with Legion back in the 70s and all that. And then, of course, uh, involved in a couple other really big DC stories. Uh, Cosmic Odyssey was one, uh, and probably the one he's probably most known for. Uh, he did a Death in the Family, that great Batman story from the 80s where it actually led to the death of Robin. And so, you know, he's got a long history with DC. Of course, he, he's done a ton of stuff with Marvel, you know, very much involved with uh, Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet and things like that. So um, I was happy to see him be compensated. But in a statement here that he made, I mean, of course, he gave props to DC starting off. DC Entertainment said, you know, I've got this, you know, a very big check from them, much bigger than anything he's ever gotten from Marvel. So that was cool that he's acknowledging that, but kind of ended a statement where he said, you know, I guess I'll have to sit down and watch the movie now, you know, talking about Batman v Superman. So it kind of annoyed me a little bit that he had to make that statement. Like, you know, I thought the rest of it was great. You know, DC Entertainment's going out of the way to make sure you're well compensated for this. So, you know, you got to give them props for that, but you don't need to go out and say that, you know, I haven't bothered to see the film yet. I it, it caught my attention too. I just kind of blew it off because what I've also learned is that people who are in the industry who are creating a lot actually don't go see a lot, don't see other stuff. The, but yeah, it felt like a pot shot too. So I yeah, I know where you're coming from on that, and I, I don't blame you for feeling that way. Yeah, it's okay to feel the way you feel, Tim. It's okay. <laughs> to feel. You know, I just want these guys to try to do what they can to try to help support the industry. You know, whether it be comic books or the films. You know, just, you know, everyone's going to benefit all these original creators and all this. So, you know, do whatever you can to help prop up, you know, all the different media that use these characters. Yeah, especially now that the New York Times has taken away the graphic novel best, uh, you know, bestseller list. It's like they, they come, they, you know, the help they can get, honestly. Oh, oh, well. Well, of course, we can also now refer to the fact that our podcast is a reference to an Oscar nominated film. <laughs> and I love, I mean, people are being jackasses about this. And it's kind of funny. Of I really, I, and I say jackasses as a, you know, it's kind of a, an endearing term because everyone is like really milking this and it's kind of funny to watch the little flame wars going on Twitter. But yes, Suicide Squad has been nominated for an Oscar for best makeup and hairstyling, which I think it completely deserves. Yeah, it definitely uh, does. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be up against uh, a man called Uva and Star Trek Beyond. So there's only three movies in the category. But we'd like to send our congratulations to Alessandro um, Bertolazzi. Do, uh, you, you do the names. I can't do this. <laughs> okay. It's Alessandro Bertolazzi, Giorgio Gregorini, and Christopher Nelson. And even Clay Enos got in 
in on uh, the action on posted a great photo of Jared Leto's Joker uh, as saying congratulations to the makeup and hair department for their Oscar nomination. So I hope hope Suicide Squad wins. I mean, I've seen Star Trek Beyond. I haven't seen A Man Called Uva yet because it's a Swedish film, but um, I really feel like Suicide Squad should win personally. So that's that's where where I'm rooting for. Yeah, we could certainly hope so anyway. Okay, so really not a lot to talk about the TV side this week, but quickly announced that CW has said that Darren Chris from Glee will be playing the Music Meister in the Flash Supergirl crossover coming up in March. Uh, I remember him from Glee. He was Kurt's boyfriend. I'm a little disappointed because I'm going to be honest, I really wanted to be Neil Patrick Harris. I did too. And I'll be interested. I was never really a giant fan of his character in the show because I was also at the point where I stopped caring about the show. So I'll be interested to see what he does with Music Meister to see whether that changes my opinion of him. Because I'll tell you this, Grant Gustin wasn't a big fan of him on Glee. Completely changed my mind once he got on Flash. So I'm hoping the same thing happens for Darren here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had talked about this before. Both you and I thought for sure it was going to be Neil Patrick Harris. And, you know, that's who I really wanted. But, you know, actually, if you look at what they're doing here, this makes a lot of sense. You know, this gives them an opportunity to kind of bring in that Glee audience, you know, to have this somewhat of a mini reunion here. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just I really wanted to see Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, I thought he would have been super fun, you know, to watch in this show. Yeah. Brent was a little disappointed, too. <laughs> it was just kind of, we all just kind of went, oh, OK. That's <laughs> kind of our, all of our reactions. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Mark Guggenheim was uh, doing an interview with Entertainment Weekly, and there is audio out there, but we're going to completely fess up. We haven't listened to it yet. Ray, Brent, that's your job. Yes. You got a show next week. You talk about this audio. Yeah, no excuses. <laughs> uh, but Guggenheim did reveal that Black Flash, who has been hinted at since the season two finale of The Flash, will be making an appearance this season on Legends of Tomorrow. So, ooh, Black Flash. My question is, is Teddy Sears going to come back and like do a voice or something? Uh, that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Brent Ray and DCTV Squadcast, just a little reminder that they're actually coming back from winter break. You know, they've taken off the time in between uh, the first half and second half of the season. But I mean, Scott, who takes who takes winter breaks? They have this stupid thing called TV, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we go 365 days a year. Stop lying. Stop lying. Well, we, we pretty much go every week. So, But those guys are going to be back from winter break. So we get a new episode of DC TV Squadcast this upcoming Wednesday. So this is just a little PSA to remind you guys that it's coming. So I cannot wait to hear what those guys have to say about Arrow. That's because that one's caused that's a that's a that's been a stir stick at, uh, on on Twitter. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you that. So I really want to know what they have to say. Special the ending. So make sure you guys tune into that. It is sure to be a great show. Well, that's it for this week's podcast, guys. And of course, you know, as always, we really want to thank you guys for listening in. And uh, we hope you enjoyed, you know, the discussion we had today and all that. And especially, you know, we are pretty sure that Scott made your week. So uh, we hope that's the case. Yeah. Well, no pressure there, Tim. Thanks. <laughs> well, we hope that you enjoyed. And we, as always, love interacting with you and talking to you and hearing from you. So please reach out and contact us. You can reach the show on Twitter at Suicide Squadcast. You can reach me individually at ScottDC27. And then you can reach me on Twitter at Alan Fire. And you can always email us at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. And we answer all tweets and emails. So, so guys, do not hesitate to interact with us. And, you know, please go ahead and reach out to us. And please don't forget to find us at uh, our other places on the web. Uh, we have our website, www.SuicideSquadcast.com. Uh, we have a YouTube page. <laughs> um, Chris from DC Comic Squadcast is the only one who does anything with it right now, but it's there. <laughs> and then, of course, there's Facebook. And now that since all the shows are now on the same Facebook page, more 
stuff happens on it because it's not just me. So go 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 look us up on Facebook as Suicide Squadcast Network. Yep, definitely. So Scott, we had two iTunes written reviews this week, and uh, that puts us five away from the next giveaway. So let's go ahead and read the next two. The first one is from iTunes Australia from Kebs, and it's titled "The Most Reliable and Consistent DC Films Podcast." It says, "Hey guys, I really appreciate the time and effort you guys dedicate to this podcast, especially for speedy response you guys gave about David Ayer's recent comments. You didn't have to do it so soon, but you guys went ahead and gave us a special episode. Keep up the great work and much love and appreciation from a fellow DC fan in Sydney, Australia. So thank you very much for taking the time to write that. And yeah, I mean, with the David Ayer thing, we wanted to throw something out there. I know my three-year-old really enjoyed being a part of that show. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then our last review for tonight is called Channeling My Inner Nerd by Bajada217. Uh, writes, great podcast. First started listening a few months before Suicide Squad hit theaters and haven't turned back. Gives me weekly fix of Batman and DC-related news. Thanks. Well, thank you. We appreciate the review. Yeah, thank you, guys. And, you know, we always appreciate you guys taking the time to go ahead and write us a written review. You know, it takes time. It's, it, you know, it, it's not always the simplest thing to do, but, you know, it, it means a lot to us. And, you know, that's why we, you know, want to do the giveaway. And if you're a new listener, you know, we give away a DC trade paperback every 10 positive written reviews that we get. And so if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive written review on iTunes and you will be eligible for a DC trade paperback, $15 or less. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Thank you so much. And as we always are fond of telling you at the end of every episode, keep reading DC. Yep, we'll see you guys later. He's a shell shock shoulder. <laughs> Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> He's a. <laughs> Why can I not say this? He's a shell. <laughs> Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Okay. Uh, I could do this. <laughs> okay. You've lost it, man. <sighs> okay. He's a shell shock shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting about as bad as the Zod snap neck. <sighs> <sighs> I may just cut the story out. <laughs> okay. <sighs> oh, here we go. <laughs> He's a shell shock. Sh- <laughs> Shell shocked soldier. <laughs> do you want me to say it? I could do it. I could do it. Okay. <sighs> okay. He's a shell shocked sh- soldier. <laughs> He's a shell shocked soldier who's been discharged from the war and is brought back to help on a secret mission. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I could do this. Okay. He's a shell shocked shoulder. I f- give up on it. <laughs>